0: 25% off your DNA test kit.
1: Putting my life on the line like that did get old. When we started to have legislation around hemp, this nonsense of driving around with 500 pounds of weed on me, those days are over. Mm. or roll yourself a joint to sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Can-A-Mom Show with Joyce Gerber.
2: From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's The Can-A-Mom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber.
0: Welcome back to The Can-A-Mom Show, where we continue on our mission of crushing cannabis stigma. So, Dave, I had a fun weekend.
2: Cool. Do tell. Nice.
0: I saw Billy Idol at the MGM in Fenway, which I've never been to. And Billy Idol's like old man, but he still took his shirt off.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love Billy Idol. I, I, I had no idea he was still playing. So, And that that I, I hear is a cool place to see a show. So,
0: Well, cool. neither did I, but it was through so I So I've been a big sister through the big sister, little sister, big brother, big sister program since 1989. I've actually known my little sister longer than I've known my husband. Wow. Yeah, so this was a fundraiser. It's a big fundraiser. Now they're called Big Brother, Big Sister Together. It's one organization. And uh, Rick and I went. We had to dress in our best rock and roll. So we represented (laughs) Angry Toddlers, my son's band, Angry Toddlers. So we had our t-shirts on and we rocked out. And it was fun. And I stayed up past midnight, which is so unusual for me. And we helped raise some money for a really great cause in Boston that you lived all here your whole life. It's really great. These big brother, big sister relationships can change a kid's life.
2: Does Billy Idol still do the fist pump?
0: I mean, He did no. everything. He was like, I don't know. He was like all over. I, I'm like, he took his shirt off. He put his shirt on. Like, and there are a couple of bands before it with some hip hop dudes who probably should have been taking their shirts off. And I'm not yeah. sure.
2: <laughs> I remember him just being one of the first MTV guys. Like when I first those, they ran those ads, I want my MTV. It was very rock and roll.
0: So that's I was very rock and roll with angry toddlers and Billy Idol. All right, speaking of Josh and music, because that's what I do, the Hemp Guitar Campaign is in full swing, and I don't want you to miss this opportunity to own this one-of-a-kind guitar made of hemp with the little beautiful cannabis leaf insignia on the neck. You can play it, you can smoke it, and we know you support our mission of crushing cannabis stigma, so head over to Lampkin Guitars if you want to see it and figure out a way how you could maybe own this beautiful one-of-a-kind hemp guitar, and we're going to be giving it away on 420 because... That's really our national holiday, right, Dave?
2: That's right. <laughs> I got a new attempt at a slogan. I just came up with it for, okay. the, for the guitar. Play a solo, then take a hit. YOLO.
0: I think we're still working on it. All right, we'll <laughs> keep going. But it will be. You can see it. So ah! <laughs> <laughs> Another reject. We'll keep, we keep coming. we got weeks. So it's going to be on full display in massachusetts so if you're in the somerville neighborhood it's going to be at the goods dispensary in somerville massachusetts for a couple of weeks before we give away and if we can get our act together you can see a video of josh actually playing it because that would be fun to see too
2: love it love it yeah that the video if you haven't seen it is is as you've said joyce has gone viral of in josh in a matter of seconds showing you demonstrating the, the how the guitar works
0: so and you can, like but guitar. no, we're going to do like a, well, we're going to is not just a guitar builder. He's a literally a guitar star, rock star, right? So he's going to do a video of him, like rocking out with the guitar to prove that it's not just, it's not just a pretty thing. You can actually play it. Yeah, <laughs>
2: Excellent. Love it.
0: All right. So there we go. And before we go on to today's guest, cause she's got a big OG can of story, Dave, I just want to give a big shout out to the Massachusetts woman making a difference. I don't know if you've been following the host agreement situation in Massachusetts cannabis dispensaries. Basically, it's like extortion. The towns get to an impact fee. It's built into these host agreements. And Caroline's dispensary out in Uxbridge, Mass, fought back. And STEM dispensary in Haverhill, Mass, they're fighting back, I think, their hearings today. And I think it's gonna this thing's going to disappear because women said this isn't right. It's unnecessary. And cannabis dispensaries aren't really causing problems. They don't have impact fees. There's no requirement for this. Yeah.
2: <laughs> No, if anything, they, they enhance business.
0: Yeah, right. so shout out to Caroline's Dispensary and Stem and Haverhill. If you're in the neighborhood, you should check them out and support them because they're really making a difference in what this industry looks like in Massachusetts. Excellent. There you go to my ladies. All right, Dave, so no culture corner today because today's guest has got a big story, and I want a bit to tell it all, so there we are. Okay, today's guest. Today's guest is the founder of two very unique CBD product lines, one for humans and the other for our pets. Her first business, Auntie Dolores, was founded in 2008 when she was creating infused gourmet foods for California medical patients. Through a few iterations, Auntie Dolores has transformed into a full line of quality CBD products. But she launched into the new world of CBD for pets in 2013 when she established Treatables, a pet line of hemp-derived CBD products. Treatables is dedicated to producing top-quality CBD-infused products specifically designed for pets. As a result of their commitment to natural alternatives that can enhance the well-being of our pets, they have gained trust of pet owners across the country. But she's so much more. Today's guest now resides in Tennessee to be closer to the hemp world, but her journey began in the medical market of Northern California with not just brownies, but unique savory products as well. Her transition from baking with cannabis way back in 2008 to CBD for pet and what she's seen along this long canna journey are stories you don't want to miss. Here today to share her unique canna story from baker to business owner, why she's so passionate about helping our pets with CBD, and what it's all been like to be an OG canna mom. Please welcome to the Canna Mom Show, Juliana Carella. Welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me, Joyce. Good to be here.
0: All right, let's just start. Let's see. I know I connected with you over treatable CBD pro- products, which I want to talk about because I don't know if people all know this. I read the New York Times and there was a big story about pets and animals and CBD and cannabis this week. So this is very timely, but we're going to get back to that because you were such a big story. Can we just start? I know it even goes before this, but let's start in 2008 in California a little bit about how you found your niche so early in this industry and and, and why did you choose the name that you have?
1: All right. Well, I'll start with the name because that's that's the best part about the story, I think. Auntie Dolores is a play on words. It's like a double entendre. It actually means anti-pain because Dolores means pain in Spanish. Yeah. So Auntie Dolores. Because we really can't make claims about what cannabis does and how it helps, but you know, there's always a way to get that point across to patients and enthusiasts and. Many people still don't know that cannabis is an incredible analgesic, which is a pain reliever. Right. So, so the the brand name literally means anti pain. That's awesome.
0: And you started, and you started in the old school,
1: um, yeah, uh, medical
0: started, in California. Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, we started back when the regulations were all based on compassionate use. Those laws were put in place in the early '90s in Northern California and California in general. San Francisco being the very first city in the whole country that actually had medical cannabis laws. So those first few years, we were operating under those very loose laws, if you will, and not a lot of structure. There was really only a few other edibles companies on the scene at the time, if you can believe it. There's thousands of them now. But back then, there was really only three of us at the time and we wanted to get into edibles that were a little more healthy than all the sugar that we could see on the shelves in these dispensaries so we were really big on products like savory pretzels chili lime peanuts caramel corn things like that snack foods gourmet snack foods that also medicated individuals
0: and I, I i talk about this a lot it is some really sweets it's just a lot of chocolates and gummies which i understand now for the dispensary specifically it's hard to test them and get them through the whole process without them going stale <laughs> But it it would be nice to have more, not just, yeah, yeah exactly. Okay, keep going. <laughs>
1: so then, long story short, when we started becoming educated about CBD in around 20, 2009, 2010, that's when we really started thinking about what can we do for pets? Because we knew that THC could be toxic for pets, but we also recognized that CBD seem to be a safer alternative because of the fact that it's non-psychoactive it's got a very high safety rating very low level of side effects and adverse events and this kind of thing so it's really really awesome and then when you take that the the affinity that cbd has for joint inflammation and seizures and anxiety and all these things that many pets suffer with it kind of seemed like a no-brainer so we we spent about 18 months doing product development i was That's... still making the thc edibles we had a full commercial kitchen and i had a full staff of of workers working on those products and and they all had pets so we That's... kind of started right there with let's take the product home and try it on your own pets i mean okay so,
0: and it's so like people understand so this is California was ahead of us medically the rest of the country so they had access to THC products yeah. and then CBD products came in were they always on the I mean I know kind of like got conflated with like well, the farm bill but you were using CBD products was that something that was happening back then just for humans well, it was well? from
1: cannabis so this is where the history yeah. around CBD is really interesting because when we got into CBD it was because the cannabis cultivators in northern California were starting to grow CBD rich strains this is Years before hemp became the leading source of CBD, because once upon a time, hemp was only just an industrial plant and they hadn't figured out how to cultivate the hemp plant so that it could have that legal threshold of 0.3% THC. So when we were using cannabis oil that was CBD rich, it still actually had a a pretty substantial amount of THC in there, even though we went to great lengths to reduce that. So when we finally switched over to hemp in 2014, after that first farm bill was passed, that was what allowed us to start selling the product across state lines because hemp had already been established as the source for CBD. And it's, it's designated as a hemp plant as opposed to cannabis in that it has less than 0.3% THC.
0: Yeah, okay, so this is like this is like we're like nerding out on the camp, but again, like this is Holy why.
1: Crap.
0: But but this, yeah. again, this is why it's kind of a little confusing to a regular person just walking down the street and they see yeah. the CBD is in the gas station, but you have to go to a double locked door and only use cash if you want to buy anything that has THC. This is true. This is yeah. not even exaggeration. So, this is kind of like where it came from. So, 2014 it's actually
1: passed yep but,
0: and so you I but think, you would, you would have embarked on this a little earlier so you were ready 2014 yeah, we were, it happened well, yeah we were
1: ready and we were already selling our pet products in the California dispensaries that we were doing business in so we were still confined to California because we were still using cannabis oil and because of those hemp laws that allowed interstate commerce were not even passed yet. So we yes. were still like literally just a California company. We could only sell our products to dispensaries. So we were selling our Auntie Dolores edibles to the humans, and then we were selling the treatables uh, CBD pet products. Which, which is, again, how, like,
0: I, I, I can see how this is as a pet owner, and I have started giving my pets different CBD products. But I understand. Before we get into what ailments your people are using this for, can you just let people know that how this works with veterinarians? Because I know this is a very uh, difficult topic for them, even though they may understand, just like medical doctors understand it's useful, but are difficulty in actually helping you find it, I guess. That's it.
1: Well, I mean, you'd have to understand the whole medical landscape to really get a grasp of it. And and you you probably do because you're involved in cannabis. There's really no way around it. If you're in the cannabis industry, you recognize right away just how much the efficacy and benefits are suppressed. And we're up against... I hate to say it, here I am 15 years later still beating this drum, but we're up against Big Pharma. We've always been. We're also up against a government that's very much aligned with Big Pharma. That's why cannabis is still a Schedule One narcotic. It's a totally ridiculous classification. Everybody knows it. And, and but, because,
0: but because of this, veterinarians are literally, they are not able, just like medical doctors, are yeah. not able to talk about this. But they've we know- They've literally this is what,
1: been, yeah. I mean, they've been threatened with having their, their license yeah. so- taken so away a- that's how bad it's it
0: is so-, so so again if you're talking to your veterinarian and you're getting sort of pushback if you're listening to this we understand why and that you have to sort of understand where they're coming from you have to see know what's in their head but let's talk about what you're seeing in terms of cbd like i have an elderly pet i've first been giving a it a little bit for like little like i'll give her some tinctures for joint pain or different things what are people when you first started what were people using it for and how did you figure out how to dose it to them i guess yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean we we basically our slogan is harmony for the whole family because all of our products are great for humans and pets. Now with pets, they're a lot more sensitive and the, and the nice part about that is they don't need as many milligrams in their system to affect a change to their health picture. I mean, you can give 5 milligrams to a dog that has seizures and and you're going to see some results. And humans need usually upwards of 50 to 100 milligrams plus. So that's that's one of the nice things about pets. They've got very sensitive systems. Of all the animals in the animal kingdom, dogs are actually the most sensitive because they have the most endocannabinoid receptors in their physiology. So they're just like perfect candidates for a CBD full-spectrum product. All animals have receptors. doesn't matter if they're your pets, your farm animals, wild animals. We've treated a 600-pound grizzly bear.
0: Yeah, uh, there's a story that I, they were talking about an elephant, how they found an, I yeah. think it was an elephant who was using it for appetite. Yep. Yeah.
1: The bear that we were working with up in Oregon at the wildlife safari, he had come out of a hibernation and he couldn't walk because his hind legs were so horribly arthritic they started giving him low doses and and we had to tell him hey you might need to try a really big dose for such a big animal we just don't know we've never treated a bear before Well, when they started giving him 300 milligrams at a time he started running around like a bear cub again yeah literally like overnight it changed his whole health and so they continued to give it to him for a couple more years and he ended up passing I think a couple of years ago now, because we started sending them product like five years ago, but all the handlers say that this dog or this bear's life was definitely extended because of the CBD, because he, he literally couldn't even walk before. You know, I mean, it's horses are another one, but what's interesting about horses is they don't need a big high dose. Sometimes you've got horses responding to as low as 25 or 50 milligrams. It's great for horses, but of course, again, we're up against all these, ridiculous regulations they've banned cbd for race horses also for show horses
0: they've actually banned it
1: yep yep that's that's
0: interesting i guess they don't
1: want the horses to recuperate from all that inflammation that's caused by having to race all day and and, and exert their bodies in the way that they do so yeah it's it's kind of like i tell people because a lot of people are really excited about getting into the cannabis and hemp space. It's a very exciting industry to be a part of, but you're constantly fighting the powers that be. It's been like this since we started 15 years ago. And I always thought by now they would have removed cannabis from the controlled substance act. I also thought by now the FDA would have gotten out of the way. I mean, it's CBD it's literally one of the safest compounds you could possibly take or give to your pet. And yet it's under this ridiculous scrutiny while all these other unsafe medicines are are approved all day long, so there's just this inherent complete dichotomy that we have to deal with, where we're constantly.
0: But, but you're still. But I gotta say, you're like a lot of the women I meet. I mean, you're an OG. OG, you've really stayed in because I can see people yeah. dropping out now, but you stay in it. I mean, is your why the health? Is your why, what is your why that keeps you just? <laughs>
1: <The> why? <laughs> right? is because it's a fight. It's been a fight, and it's gonna yeah. be a fight until it's won. Because I'm. I'm frankly, I'm over it. I'm over the whole landscape. It's very, it's, it's totally dystopian. Okay. I'm just going <laughs> to right to the chase here. It doesn't make any sense at all. And it keeps people and their pets from feeling the best that they could possibly be. And instead diverts them towards products and medicines that might have side effects, might not be great for their liver, might not actually you know, cure their epilepsy, might just suppress it. I mean, I could go on and on. It's just, I mean, it's
0: like, it's, it's, we're running parallels with humans. So, to, uh, yeah. another one of your products, like you tell me a little about some of them, but I, I was talking about, I have my own cat. She's weirdly nervous, very, very anxious, will not let me touch her unless she's sitting on the bed. And you had mentioned you had a cream a unique kind of transdermal cream that can help with pain as well, but could also help with anxiety. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely,
1: yeah. So the transdermal cream that we have, we just revised the recipe, made it much more potent and also made it a stronger dermal penetration. So... One of the problems with a topical product with your pets is you put it on and then they're going to want to lick it off. So we wanted to make a product that was going to absorb quicker than they had a chance to actually lick it off. And that's that's what we achieved. A little bit goes a long way. And what's really nice about it for your super picky pets that don't want to eat any of our chewables or don't want to take the oil. They recognize when you put the oil in their food and you try to hide it and they're like, no, I'm not going to eat. That type of pet is a great candidate for our transdermal cream because you can take the cream, not only can you put it on affected areas where they might have hot spots or rashes, but you can actually put it on the tip of their ear where there's actually receptors that are going to take in the CBD and the other cannabinoids and it'll filter into their whole system and act just like a digestible product might. So we've got a lot of Picky cats out there, and even though we we make these awesome chewables that cats love, not all cats are ever going to love any product. And so we always tell folks use the cream, and they're like, "But my cat doesn't have a rash. They don't need a rash. Just put it on their ear, and it will literally soak into their system, and it'll work just like if you gave them."
0: And how many many milligrams do you know what the the dose? What yeah you i mean
1: it's it's a little what's, hard what's, what's, what's in the
0: full tu- yeah what's in the full tube, the tube has a
1: thousand milligrams uh, so,
0: so it's like a like it's like a human one okay so very really a little bit
1: stuff. yeah and, and i mean it's it's amazing to see it in action in that way because you would expect it to work miracles for topical products or topical issues a rash or a hot spot which it does but a lot of people don't think to use it for more general reasons and by applying it to the ear
0: that's, uh, I I mean, I never heard that. So that's fun. All right. All right. So you talk about, you have chew. Choo- what do you have? Chews? For-
1: yeah. We, now our whole concept is it's, it's every product has the same active ingredients. We've got varying levels of potency to, to match whatever your pet needs, but there's also a lot of flavors and textures. It's all about like appealing to the animal. What are they going to like continuing taking on a regular basis? Cause it is medicine, even though they hate when we call it that. I mean, if you have to give this to your pet every three, four hours, you want to make sure they're going to enjoy taking it. So for us, it's all about making products that pets just absolutely love taking. And that's why we have all these different flavors and potencies and everything like that. But really, it's the same active ingredients in all the, in all the products. They all do all those things. It's, and they're,
0: it's just like human stuff. I say don't buy your CBD products in the gas station. It's mm-hmm. the same thing for any other of these products because yeah. they are federally legal to cross state lines, but you almost need to know who your hemp grower is at this point to make sure they actually have what's in there and make sure you're buying it from a place that's testing, which we talked a little bit about testing and we could nerd out on this as well, but just kind of talk about the process that you're going through and maybe what people are getting in like random places that isn't maybe not as quality as yours. Yeah, okay.
1: So back to our government and how disjointed their policies are. We've got all this scrutiny over American companies that are cultivating, extracting, producing, manufacturing and yet they let they open up the floodgates for all this chinese hemp to come into our country. Okay? Unfortunately, anything grown in China is going to be laden with heavy metals because the soil is completely destroyed there. It's just loaded with cadmium and nickel and mercury and all this stuff. So and hemp being a bioaccumulator plant which means wherever you plant a hemp plant, those roots are going to develop and they will start to soak up everything around the roots in the soil because that's what a bioaccumulator does. It literally soaks everything up. That's why they use hemp to when there's oil spills and all this kind of stuff because it will actually help soak it up. Well, when you plant a hemp plant, In soil that has heavy metals, those heavy metals will make their way into the plant. Now, when you go to extract the oil from that plant, you're going to extract those heavy metals with it. So we stay clear of Chinese hemp, you know, and unfortunately, there's there's no way to confirm 100% that it's not going to have heavy metals in it. And the thing is, the testing is very important, but what's more important than just testing, you actually have to share the results with your mm-hmm. customers because a lot of companies will say, yeah, oh, we test and we do this, but did you look at the test? Did you look at the certificate of analysis? Did you know what you were looking at? Did you know how to interpret it? Could you actually verify that there's no heavy metals in there and that there's no biocontaminants and there's no micro contaminants of any kind? I mean, it's the list of possible contaminants goes on and on and a lot of people just don't know how to rule it out so again i mean we just really focus on support your u.s hemp farmers buy products that are made with u.s grown hemp and extracted in the u.s focus on the full spectrum products because they're going to work better and instead of just asking do you test your products say do you test your products can i see the coa because anybody can tell you they're testing their products if you don't know what you're looking at or where to look for it, you might get duped. If You go to our website and you look at our lab page. I mean, there are hundreds of lab results on there because we have to test the plant. We got to test the oil that comes from the plant. We got to test the product before it is produced. We have to test it afterwards. And then a lot of times the manufacturer that we work with also tests the product. We'll compare our results to theirs. This is all done through third-party testing, by the way. And then we post the results on our website if there's ever an issue. Like last week, we had an issue where one of the certificate of analysis showed a really low rate of CBD. Well, we had to quarantine the whole batch. I'm talking thousands and thousands of units because the last thing I want to do is sell a product that the manufacturer may have messed up or forgot. Uh, Who knows what what happens, right? So we had to quarantine the whole batch so that it's not mistakenly sold to a customer that's like, wait, this didn't do anything for my pet. Well, it's because the manufacturer messed up.
0: That's the same problem with people who don't know anything about CBD products. The first product they purchase is at the gas station. They try it. It doesn't do anything. And then in their head... Their experiences, it doesn't work, which is why yeah. I pray, like I, I beg people, start with the good products, start with the, women, especially like yeah. products for humans, but, but pets yeah. as well. Start absolutely. with something that's, you maybe it seems a little pricey to you, maybe it seems a little whatever, but start with something you know is quality, see how it works, and then you can take the next steps. <laughs> absolutely,
1: absolutely. Uh, all right,
0: we got you. Got even more for your story. So tell me a little bit about where people can find these CBD pet products. These are actually like. You can cross state lines. Can you order them? Are they in dispatch? Where are they? Yeah.
1: So most of our customers are pet stores across the country and also in Japan. We've been selling our product in Japan for almost five years now. So pet stores are definitely your first place to look, or you can go directly to our website, treatables.com. We have incredible deals if you sign up for our newsletter you're going to get all kinds of deals and stuff plus the education that we provide is is really awesome definitely follow us on all the social media channels too we're really big on social media we have a lot of fun content very educational and just enlightening so definitely follow us on all the the social media channels but for purchasing your best bet is to either go to our store locator on our website or just order directly from our website there are cbd shops and dispensaries that also carry our product, not all of them. So if you're interested in, in treatables specifically, make sure you're going to a shop that carries our product or order online from our website.
0: It's everywhere. It's even international. That's fabulous. Okay. Let's shift gears. You're a canna mom. Yes. <laughs> Your daughter is older. I know you've always been in this industry. So she's always been around cannabis and you're yep. in Northern California and you're just, you've been in this for a bit. So just what was the experience of being a of mom? Was there any stigma for her or for you when she was younger? And I mean, how does it work with your relationship now? I guess because she's a grown-up.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I mean, it's it's awesome because I started the business when she was about. 14 15 and she actually worked in the kitchen with us with would That's help fun. us with packaging and stuff and then she later came back and worked for treatables for many years doing graphic design and sales and customer service and, and so many different things incredibly talented young woman my girl it was definitely back when we started auntie Dolores we could not tell folks
0: nobody I, really
1: yeah I mean I, I had to teach her like you can tell your mom tell tell people that your mom's a baker. You just can't tell them what I'm baking. <laughs> so, we we had all kinds of fun stuff happen too, like where the police were called on us. They came to our house. We've had all kinds of. So you've
0: had a lot of the trauma. I had. I interviewed a grower from in Hummel County and talking about she had to leave the country and the trauma these kids faced in terms of yeah. what was happening. This I came into this late in the game. Yeah. For me, it's a little bit lighter. But you know, women who were in this early on. Serious consequences. And so, yeah. All right. So, you're kind of, I mean, I
1: just, my part of our business operations was I had to drive up to the Emerald Triangle once a week and pick up product. And I mean, I literally four times a month for many years, I, I was putting my, life in danger and just in danger of being thrown in federal prison for my business. And I even got pulled over a couple times and by the grace of God, I never got into any
0: trouble. Wow. Yeah, I mean,
1: that was just kind of the norm. And I frankly, putting my life on the line like that did get old. And that's why when we started to have some formal legal legislation around hemp and everything, it was almost like, well, that's what we're going to do because this, nonsense of hiding and driving around with 500 pounds of weed on me like those days are over I can't do this anymore so I was really excited bright-eyed and bushy-tailed I guess you could say about the hemp industry evolving the way it seemed like it was but then of course the regulators came in and they always ruin everything they ruined everything
0: uh, okay so so you took so you did you are like so. Did your family know? Anyone else know? Like, was your what did your family? Yeah, think? my
1: family knew. Oh, but they, okay, even to this day, they don't really understand it. I think some of them do, but most of them thought I was crazy and still think I am crazy. Yeah.
0: I think that's a, that's like the general consensus of like the women I talk to at some level. And then at some point, everyone starts using it, and then they're like, "Oh, they're right."
1: <laughs> yeah, it's funny to me. I I. I'm a very independent thinker. I'm a critical thinker. I think I'm maybe in the last generation that was actually taught how to be a critical thinker. Mm-hmm. So I've always, and I've always been really lined with natural medicine. I, I studied homeopathy for years. I've followed this for years. I, I kind of became obsessed with natural medicine when I was a teenager. So I've really been kind of Looking at it from that 10,000-foot view and when this opportunity arose 15 years ago with cannabis, it was just right in line with my heart because I, I really wanted people to understand this isn't just about getting high. There's like so many conditions you can actually address with THC and CBD and, and all the other cannabinoids. And it's it's it seems like no matter how much we educate people, that stigma is just so strong and it's because we're dealing with a century old propaganda campaign that is stronger than any other propaganda campaign that I think I've ever seen and I'm pretty focused on propaganda and health because I see how lies are presented to us as truths and that's always been the case with cannabis but When you look at how long this stigma has been around and you look at how much propaganda over the last century has fueled that stigma, it's no wonder. I mean, we've literally...
0: I I, I literally say that every... Like, we live in the anomaly in history. It's been a 100-year story, blah, 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 blah. But to me, it feels like... And I can talk specifically about hemp. This is one of these issues where we're all sort of Well, it's the same harm. Like we're being patriotic if we buy hemp, or you can think of it as I'm a free spirit and I want to smoke pot and like I want to. That's my religion. This product is like the Venn diagram; it's in the middle. Yeah. Let's talk. I mean, let's talk more about hemp and where you are. So, you have left the comfortable confines of San Francisco and moved to Tennessee.
1: I would never. I would never refer to San Francisco. Just by the way, (laughs) where (laughs) you are from?
0: Where did you grow up? There is that your name? Yeah. Yeah. Your native lands of San Francisco, and you came to Tennessee. So not, you're... not, a,
1: fan. not <laughs> a fan. I think leadership so, uh, is is horrible there. But yeah, I moved to the south because I wanted okay. to get away from all the BS, and also, I mean, like I said, the, the the regulators in cannabis in California they they destroyed, literally destroyed the whole industry. So that was one of the main reasons I left. And I also wanted to be closer to the hemp cultivation so when we were focused on cannabis i was right in the uh, Uh emerald triangle but when we were focused on hemp it made more sense to be in the south yeah i I mean
0: and i and we talk about hemp saving the world and there's this weird bifurcation with cannabis and hemp which makes me crazy but you're in kind of this space so tell me what it's like to be in tennessee and actually let's tell people so you were in california everything's legal there they were the first they've messed up a lot of things we're kind of moving on and now tennessee it's Is it legal? Illegal? Just tell people what it looks like in Tennessee. Tennessee
1: is such a funny state when it comes to cannabis and hemp because there's all kinds of strange stuff going on here. Like just as an example, I could go into a CBD shop here in Tennessee, like in Nashville, and I could probably go purchase any THC product I could ever want to get my hands on. No problem. But we just found out last week that You can't buy a pet CBD product unless you show ID.
0: So harder to buy, easier to buy a gun. Is it easier to buy a gun than CBD for your pet?
1: Yeah, (laughs) probably. When you think of all the gun shows that come around and how easy it is. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, but it's like literally becoming more and more difficult to purchase a CBD pet product. But I could go get a THC product any day of the week at a great price, high milligram content, no regulations, no high tax bracket, none of that. So, I don't know what's going on with Tennessee. I like that it's pretty free with the THC products. It drives me crazy that they want to card people to purchase a CBD pet product. That is the most asinine thing I've ever heard of. But, you know, we're in a state that has some disorganized legislation around this. (laughs) So,
0: So, all right, let's try. So, but are there hemp farmers? Are there people growing hemp in Tennessee? Yeah, absolutely. So, so what what is there? And and I, I, I don't really understand how this works, but I know there's a lot of people who want to grow hemp. We know it's really good for so many things. You can eat it. You can wear it. You can clean the soil with it. But there seems to be some sort of mismatch between, like, farmers who want to grow it. There's people who want it, but there seems to be something in the middle that's missing, like the manufacturing. What is it that's missing, and why don't we have more hemp products in this country? Because if farmers want to grow it, they want to be able to sell it. Besides CBD oil, I mean, they know it could be used for other things, right?
1: Yeah and then you're looking at different types of hemp because it used to be that it was just industrial hemp, that stocky tall plant, but now you've got multiple types of hemp that are cultivated in such a way for the end product. The plants that are being cultivated for the CBD production are they look like a cannabis plant. It's just classified mm-hmm. as hemp because of the CBD and the THC levels. The Industrial hemp plant is your tall, stocky one where you're actually using those hemp stocks to create all kinds of industrial products. So we want all of it to be legal and plentiful. And there's just, unfortunately, there's too many industries that don't want hemp to be successful because it will literally knock out the plastic industry. It will- it should. Yes, it should. It put a huge dent in in construction materials because hempcrete is phenomenal for building. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's it's a paper source. It's a it's it's you can, so build, you can build
0: guitars out of it.
1: Yeah, you can build <laughs> guitars out of it. It, it. it does so many things, and so yeah, like everything else that's that God gave us, because humankind needs it. Well, you got the powers that be that are going to come in and make it difficult for for the common folk to get their hands on it because it, it cuts into their profits. And that's basically what's going on right now. I think there'd be a lot more cultivation happening and extraction. Something did happen a few years ago that a lot of people may not realize, but a lot of farmers that saw this opportunity back after the 2018 Farm Bill passed, they immediately wanted to switch over their crops from soy or corn to hemp and a lot of farmers did do that and i commend them for doing that but unfortunately they may not have known all of the ins and outs because it's not the same cultivation process and there's so much more involved especially if you're cultivating hemp for cbd right i mean so, it's
0: like it's that point three thing that's killing people too they have to there's, there's that, that
1: too And I know,
0: I don't know if you're involved with legislation. Yeah, I don't know. I know they've been discussing trying to get up to 1% or something higher, because that's a fake number anyways, just just to make it easier for farmers.
1: Total arbitrary number. Again, it's just another ankle biter for the regulators to pass down, trickles down to the cultivators and the people that are trying to just do good business and offer a great product, but they're constantly having these ankle biters in the way. And that's that's same thing with cannabis cultivation too it's just it's like having to it's kind of like when one of the things that happened in california that destroyed the industry is you got all these lobbyists for the liquor industry they came in and they saw this opportunity and they're like oh well, we'll just pivot from liquor distribution to cannabis distribution but they didn't understand the first thing about like there's actually a shelf life to cannabis it's not like filling a bottle of vodka, sealing it and putting it on the, on your shelf. And it lasts for 40 years. Cannabis ain't like that. So these idiots came in and they literally like destroyed, destroyed the industry because they took all this business from people that were already distributing cannabis products. And then they didn't know anything about how to do it. And they lost a bunch of cannabis. Mm -hmm. I mean, so there's just a, there's like a, there's a
0: learning curve to this stuff. And I've been in, so I've been in cannabis since 2017, 2018 here in Massachusetts, which is much later than you, but it's kind of old school for here. And I've seen how it's changed. People who came in with a lot of money who would actually say to me at events, they were proud that they didn't use it. And now I understand, like it's an insane theory that you're going to come into this industry and make a lot of money. And What I talked about earlier in the show, we have a lot of things going on here in Massachusetts, specifically across the country as well, that are making it very expensive to be a regular normal business. In addition to not being able to deduct your regular normal business business expenses, you also have an additional lots of taxes and fees. Like this fee I was talking about earlier, up to 3% impact fee to protect the city or town from all the horrible, terrible things that are going to happen. And we've been here legal for many years. And those, those towns... The reason they're getting ruled against is because they can't come up with the receipts because there's nothing bad being done and they don't need that money and they're giving it back to the dispensaries. And this is millions of dollars. We're not talking little money. We're talking these dispensaries are coming into town. They're being good neighbors. And so it is changing. I will say here in Massachusetts, I get the things are getting better. Some of the big guys are falling out. My dream of this podcast and talking to all these women across the country is that this is a new industry that can be built in a different mindset. I talk about like a caregiver, where caregivers, the plant is a caregiver. Can we do something that is different and positive and healthy and helpful? Which is what you're, This is what you're doing and you're still doing it. So bravo, because I know it's hard. All right. So you've been in this for a long time too, like I much more than me, but dog years, I'd say a lot, it's like dog years. So you've been in this for like a thousand years now. So what surprises you most about what, the, we talked a little bit about the industry now, sort of nationally, and then we talk about hemp. How is hemp going to save the world? Like, what is what's the next steps? I mean, you're down in Tennessee. There's farmers, there's people who want it. We're helping pets. What do you think's going to happen?
1: You got to get the government and these regulators out of the way because they really they're ruining it for everybody. These high tax brackets are also a total business killer. That's one of the reasons the California industry never. Succeeded and it won't because who's going to go and pay 30% tax on a cannabis product when they can go down to Johnny on the block and get their eighth on the corner? I mean, it's, I don't think when the regulators came in and said they wanted to like help the industry become legal, no. They, that, that was not their intention ever and never will be. And I, I, I learned that the hard way because we were involved in the regulations and, and shaping them in California. And I after it was all said and done, I looked back and I said, what a mistake we made. We should have stayed in the black market. I, know, I never thought I'd say that out loud, but here I am. And,
0: and, and, I, and I have been following this industry for a while and I can see how hard it's been, but you guys are the pioneers. like You're the like, legit OG pioneers who gave The government a chance to say okay we're going to do this regulated we know we can do this unregulated we know this we can do this the way we've been doing it for years but we're going to step up and try to be part of the solution for this and not just let you make all the decisions and it's still difficult and it's frustrating i can see it in all the people i know but you're still doing it so that's kind of good and then hemp i mean you're in tennessee what (laughs) what do you see like again this is patriotic we want to reframe this discussion this is a patriotic discussion hemp is american made this is family values farmers and health and wellness and if you're coming at this from a morality perspective like you think it's the devil's lettuce kind of shift that i mean think of it as something that you believe in patriotism loyalty whatever the whatever your moral compass is that is what cannabis can fit into so what do you see about hemp farmers down there and are you seeing people changing hearts and minds really from the like healing their pets, like literally just seeing their pets get better? Are they having a different perspective of what this is? Oh,
1: absolutely. And what's really interesting about pet owners that give their pets CBD, I mean, we kind of tapped into this early on. Wow, this is a whole different customer base. A lot of these people have never even tried CBD themselves Mm -hmm. or THC for that matter, but they're like, I got to try this for my pet. And then they see it working for their pet and they're like, why haven't I tried it? So we gained a lot of human customers by them seeing how effective it was for their pets and how harmless it was for their pets but yeah the south is really to me it it seems that there's a, a plethora of cultivators just in these surrounding states around tennessee so i really like being in the thick of it some of the other states out west that tried to get their hemp program off the ground it was kind of difficult especially if you've got a cannabis program in place and you're talking about two different sets of regulations which only causes more confusion right and then there's a lot of rules around what we can put the cbd in and what we can't put it in what we can call it how we're going to label it i mean it's it's just constant 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 compliance
0: this entire industry is compliance
1: yeah Yeah. and then it's compliance that's made up by a bunch of excuse my french jackasses that don't know anything about it and that's like
0: who treat it who treat it like plutonium so yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and they're also aligned with big pharma. I mean, it's yeah. you not know, it sounds like a lot of conspiracy theory stuff, but it's the reality of the situation. So, <laughs> so it's like I can, tell, ours, I can tell you, par- stories you wouldn't even believe what we've dealt with as far as regulators. Well, well,
0: just because you're paranoid doesn't mean people aren't out to get you. So it's like, uh, uh, all right, people so
1: want that- to know like how how weird it is to to do business in this space. They think it's like all oh, fun and games. No, it's it's like a lot of. A lot of headaches, actually.
0: <laughs> All right, so you're down. So you're working with some farmers. You're doing your products. Let's come back to Auntie Dolores. So I know you kind of jump back into like human products as well. So what are you doing with that? And what kind of products are people looking for? And how now they, their pets are healed?
1: What else do yeah. they need? Yeah, yeah. Now we're we love providing products to humans too. It's just. With the red tape around the THC products, we pivoted to becoming basically a CBD product exclusively because we're dealing with hemp now and we can sell it across state lines. So Auntie Dolores is really more of a CBD product now. Now, if the controlled substance classification of cannabis were to ever change, meaning it was removed from the list, then we would probably get back into making THC products if we can ship them across state lines. We'd love to do that. I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon, though. We're going to have to have a major government change for that to happen, I think.
0: These scheduler busts, That's my hope.
1: Yeah. All right.
0: So I think, oh, we're actually on time. All right. Ah. <laughs> Thank you, Juliana. So if people want to find your products, treatables, if they want to connect with Auntie Dolores, if they yeah. want to just talk to you, how, what's the best way to connect?
1: We'll definitely connect with us on social media, Auntie Dolores and Treatables. It's two separate handles, but we're on all of the platforms. If you have any burning questions and you want to email me directly, feel free. I'm at Juliana with two N's at treatables.com. Treatables is actually spelled dot com. Yeah, come check us out. Happy to help in any way. And if you have a store that wants to carry our products, we'll send someone out to help you with that as well
0: because it's you want your pets to feel well too everyone's like these are our little buddies and we are willing that's to right. do i talk a lot about these stories that are changing hearts and minds it's awesome because someone heals a child but if you're healing your pet i think that must have the, literally the same experience in your brain to open up that space to be like oh maybe what i know is wrong <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. all right thank you juliana thank you for joining us today and that's another show thank so- you there we go. From my guest, Juliana Carella, founder of Treatables and Auntie Dolores, and, of course, my Cannabra David Yaz, and my Cannabom Mom Show team, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Cannabom Mom Show. We're on a mission to enhance the impact women have in the emerging cannabis industry by sharing and preserving their stories of love, kindness, wisdom, and hope. Thank you for following and sharing these inspiring stories so that together we will crush the, st- ca- the stigma around cannabis and caregivers. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is the Cannamom Show, and we're a production of POD 617, the Boston Podcast Network.
1: Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name's Kate, and I'm your host of the Pot Moms Podcast. I started the Pop Moms podcast, well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests, to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short. So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.